0: Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save.
2: Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next, we meet here in the x from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember, x Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light.
3: Good evening and welcome back to Paranormal Stakeout. I'm Larry Lawson, your host on this continuing journey to the other side to really find out what does exist after life. And tonight, uh, as always, we're coming to you from the X-Zone Broadcast Network, headquartered in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And I'm speaking to you from beautiful Vero Beach in Fellsmere, Florida, at the Southern Command Post of the X-Zone Broadcast Network. Uh, really excited tonight to have Mr. Alex Babalinski, I'm sorry from Spectral Wolfpack Squad Paranormal in Birmingham, Alabama. Alex is a 28-year-old uh, investigator from Birmingham. In the deep South, the paranormal phenomenon are often found in remote and forgotten places, and that's exactly where Alex prefers to be. Sightings of Bigfoot and other strange creatures have been reported to be lurking. In the dense forests of Alabama where Alex lives, when he's not tracking mysterious beings in the wild, he finds himself in some of the creepiest abandoned buildings looking for ghosts and evidence of local lore and legends as he films his expeditions into the unknown. With his laid-back approach, Alex brings a calming feeling to the investigation and is n- never flustered by any scenario. Alex, welcome to Paranormal Stakeout, my friend. Hey, thank you so much for having me, man. Yeah, good. Well, how, how is the weather up there in Alabama? And that's up there for me, so uh, have you guys gotten rid of winter yet? <laughs> oh, yeah. We are pretty much jumped straight into summer. Today was pretty hot
4: outside. We did a lot of gardening work today out in the yard, but uh, we didn't
3: get any snow this year or anything. So. <laughs> okay. Well, Spectral Wolfpack Squad Paranormal, and, and that name, along with all the things that you do, how did you get, when did you get into the business and what brought you into it? What, what, tell me about that.
4: So, you know, throughout my life, I would have uh, paranormal experiences starting when I was a child. Um, one of the first ones I can remember that I like to tell about was when I was in my room at my dad's house and I was sitting in bed and I noticed, I looked up and there was a man sitting in the rocking chair in my room. and. Mm-hmm. I felt safe around this, this man. So I, I got up and I walked over to him and I was going to sit in his lap because he just felt familiar to me for some reason. And I hit the seat with a thud kind of surprised me. I was like, what did I just see? Uh, later on, I, I kind of put it together that I believe it was my grandfather who I never met, uh, mm-hmm. who was my mom's father. And uh, I think that he had came and visited me because a lot of the other kids, in the family had, had been seeing him. Uh, people, you know, they never met him, but they would say they saw Pawpaw and they would like talk about him even though they didn't even know he, you know, he ever existed really. Cause they were so young. Uh,
5: mm-hmm.
4: so after that, you know, through the years I would have other experiences, but as I got older, it was actually after my mom passed away when I started taking it more seriously and, in, uh, investigating more seriously getting some equipment and things like that uh, as opposed to being a teenager going out to graveyards and haunted locations with my friends. Um, After my mom passed away, I got more serious about it, and that was in Mm -hmm. uh,
3: about uh, 2012, so around me was when I started. Uh, About 2012. When you say you took it serious, you just didn't think it was real before and— Uh, Not even that so much,
4: but just a sense of the investigative side. I was always a believer, and I was always very interested in all things unknown, like from Bigfoot to spirits, uh, Mm -hmm. werewolves, things like that. And I was always seeking those things, but there was a point in time where I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to take this more seriously in an investigative sense, try to capture my own evidence, footage, Mm -hmm. things like that. And eventually I ended up started putting it out on my YouTube channel uh, okay. only about I started the YouTube channel about, I think, three or four years ago.
3: So that's when what's, I finally started putting that putting my stuff out there. What's your uh, t- tell our guests? Where's your YouTube channel at? Uh, you
4: can find if you go to spectral
3: com. you can find
4: all my links and everything. Uh, but I do have the Spectral Wolfpack Paranormal Channel, and I do have another channel called Bigfoot Bob, which is where I kind of I kind of split apart the paranormal and Bigfoot, and uh, keep one on one channel, and keep the paranormal channel mostly revolving around
3: uh, paranormal phenomena. Okay, well, I I, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, Bigfoot and other uh, creepy. Uh, Beings in the Alabama woods uh, in, in just a little bit. But I want to come back to the, uh, the paranormal that you bit. You, you, you say uh, about 2012, how old were you then uh, in 2012? What, about uh, 21, I was, uh, 22? I uh,
4: 21, uh, turned 22 in September, and my mom passed away in that June. Uh, okay. And some things happened surrounding her death uh, that made me feel like she was trying to contact me
3: uh, when she had passed. When you say you decided to take it seriously, what sort of preparation did you do? What sort of things did you uh, do to take it more seriously? Equipment-wise, training-wise, whatever. What what did you do? Yeah. So after she passed away, um,
4: and that's a whole another story. For it's a pretty long story. Like involving her her death was kind of mysterious. Some weird things started happening afterward, where I felt like like I said, like she was trying to get my attention uh, starting the day that I believe she passed. Cause she went missing for several days. Uh, I believe she passed on the first day she went missing because I had a tire explode and I tried to text her and I never got a response. Part of me felt like that she was trying to let me know something was wrong and maybe somehow caused the tire to explode. Cause out of nowhere, I'm just driving down the road. You know, I've gotten flat tires before where the tire just kind of, goes flat but this like exploded with a force. Uh was just kind of odd. Okay. So that's when I started purchasing some equipment as opposed to like I used to just go, you know, with a camera, taking pictures and things like that. I started mm-hmm. researching more into equipment like digital recorders. Uh one of my favorite things to do is ITC, uh instrumental transcommunication using uh, different radios and things like that for uh, to attempt to communicate with, you know, whatever we are trying to talk to uh, mm-hmm. and getting intelligent and relevant responses back sometimes. So basically just researching and trying
3: to get that equipment and learn how to use it properly. Uh, so mostly self-taught, I, I'm assuming? Yeah,
4: mostly self-taught. I did have some people I consider mentors, uh, just some people who had been in the field longer who I would go on investigations with. And uh, that didn't happen until even a few years after my mom passed away when I started finding out about more local groups that I could go with and definitely learned a lot from I, – I love learning from other people too. So, like, any chance I get to, you know, talk to someone else about how they do things or mm-hmm. go on an investigation with different people who have different styles – and learn from them
3: as well Uh, any type of formal training at all and and the reason i'm asking that is i'm trying to determine what's out there formal training wise have you had any formal training at all Um, i wouldn't say
4: formal training i haven't taken any like classes or anything like that Uh, one thing that i did do for myself uh, was right after high school i went out and hiked for six months on the Appalachian Trail mm-hmm. uh, which kind of got me geared up for more of the Bigfoot side of things, uh, learning a lot of skills in the woods and being out in the woods for you know, months at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the spirit investigation, yeah, mostly self-taught
3: and learned from mentors but okay. I couldn't say any formal training really. Okay. What's your most profound paranormal experience? For me, I mean, there's definitely a lot of things that have happened that have,
4: uh, you know, just been very interesting, very sometimes scary. One one of my favorites, though, one of the ones that sticks with me to this day was uh, we were at Thornhaven Manor, which is a location in Indiana. And we started noticing it was just me and my friend there. And we started noticing at one point he would start feeling this sort of dread feeling and some anger and the next moment it would jump over to me and i started feeling it
5: well Mm -hmm.
4: we started doing this thing we call kind of like a frequency opening it's it's kind of like a form of a seance Uh, we play frequencies through the radios and we sort of state our intent we're opening the frequencies we're unlisting the veil and we're we're allowing complete communication so we started doing that and i started to feel really strange Um, I started almost hallucinating. There was a strange, uh, it looked like I was looking through this type of glass. And I was looking at this doll on the table and its face started to shift and it turned into this old twisted face. And Mm -hmm. so when that happened, I started to notice that I was feeling really strange. People were watching us in a live stream and they were even commenting, saying, "Is Alex okay? Is Alex okay? He's acting really weird." And I was just, I would, uh, I was just putting it off at first. I thought I was just tired, but I was feeling that super extreme dread. It's mm-hmm. kind of like the feeling like the day after someone you love died, and it, like it reminded me of when my mom passed away. Just like you, just kind of like, just don't care. You're like apathetic about everything, and you just. And and then I started feeling this anger toward my friend, like I wanted to like hurt him or something. So anyway, I I acknowledged that something was wrong, and he happened to have a, the SLS camera mm-hmm. up there. And so he tells me to stand in the doorway and he points it at me
3: and it starts to, At first it appears like it's just mapping my my figure. Okay, I gotta, I gotta put you in hold for just a quick second because we're about yeah, ready to yeah. take our first break. So stay with the topic, uh, SLS camera. And folks, we're gonna be back right after this break. I'm with a- Alex Boblinski of Spectra Wolfpack Squad Paranormal. We'll be back right after these messages.
0: Yeah.
5: Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V dot com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course.
0: We all know about simultv dot
3: And we are back for this next segment of Paranormal Stakeout with my guest tonight, Alex Bobolinski of Spectre Wolf Pack. Squad Paranormal out of Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, Alex, just before the break, we were talking about your most profound uh, experience in the paranormal, and you were describing an event. And you did stopped off at that the SLS camera when was pointed at you. Why don't you pick it up from there? Yeah. So, r- real quick, I will
4: say uh, the SLS camera is the structured light sensor camera. It's basically we use the Xbox connect cam and people have developed a software uh, that basically just uses that infrared beam that's, that's shooting out of the camera to detect any motion. Uh, sometimes it does have false maps where it'll just map like a chair or something sitting there. And uh, Now this is where it got kind of weird though. It was, it looked like it was mapping me. Uh, one thing the SLS camera is uh, used for like it, only able to map human figures so it maps this like stick figure Mm -hmm. Uh, but the one we were using the the program we were using can also map the mass of what it's seeing so it'll put this color to it and the color will kind of take uh, take a shape as well so whatever it was mapping at first it looked like it was just me but then the color mass started going all across the screen and All of a sudden, it jumps out of my body, and it's, like, on the ground, all, like, tangled up. At that moment, I instantly felt, like, complete relief from whatever was making me feel um, messed up and, like, feeling, like, having the, like, weird hallucinations and this, this dread and anger. I felt completely different in that split second. And then I come around, and I'm watching it, and whatever this is that it's mapping stands up, and it's, like, mapping it. Like, it couldn't even tell us how tall it was because it was mapping it off the screen. Uh, If it's taller than what the camera can see, there'll be this red bar that appears on top. top. And it was mapping something that was at least 10 feet tall. And um, like I said, it it can only map human figures. So it appeared that it was trying to map something with wings because the arms went to, to the back.
3: I mean, it's really weird footage. I'll have to send it to you sometime. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd like uh, to see it because I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with the SLS system, and uh, yeah. you're right. It will map chairs. I mean, it's it's a mm-hmm. it's an interesting piece of equipment. We we use it ourselves, but it does have some quirks about it. Uh, the, the and the program that you're using actually can map on other things besides uh, stick figures. Is that or produce pictures other than stick figures? Is that what you're telling me basically it 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 adds a if it has a map it'll add a color
4: to it Mm -hmm. and it'll detect kind of like a mass it can't do like a complete shape but it'll just kind of if it's detecting motion in that range it'll put color color around the stick figure so Mm -hmm. it had the stick figure which it most of the time was like kept jumbling up and then it would stand up It, it almost looked to me like something came out of me and was like struggling to like regain its composure and it was like going down to the ground and jumping back up usually when there's a false map mm-hmm. it won't move like that you know it'll sit still and be in, on the chair or you know whatever it's mapping
3: now uh, yeah I, I, I agree with that now were you able to take a look at the piece of equipment and make sure it wasn't malfunctioning uh, uh, when you bought the equipment was there any training that came with it what, uh, uh,
4: well, the one that the one that we were using, my friend Eric from Epic Paranormal, he he had designed it. So as far as we oh, could tell, okay. there wasn't. But you know, it's it's hard to say. I mean, we were on on an investigation. We were live streaming. Uh, sure, it was hard to say if there was a malfunction. The strange thing too was the map suddenly disappeared, and he saw something coming. He he thought that I moved in between like where I was actually standing. He thought that I walked past him when the map disappeared, like as if whatever it was like came between us and he, he got a glimpse of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, like with most of this stuff, it's hard for me to say 100%. Um, all that I know is that when, when he told me that it jumped out of my body, I had already felt this relief. Like I felt normal again. Um, the rest of that night, though, you know, we didn't get many more hits on the SLS until later on we were down in the uh, living room area and it started mapping this, a similar thing, a really tall thing. Mm-hmm. And then it started mapping another one and they kind of formed together into this one, like, this one jumbled up mess. So we just had a lot of weird stuff going on with the SLS, but like you said, though, you know, I can't say for sure it wasn't malfunctioning. Um but just the way we were feeling, the way it kept bouncing back and forth between us and the uh I also after I noticed after it had jumped out of me, I began seeing like light anomalies with my own eyes like all over the place. Like I would go downstairs and I would see something uh and, and I was actually the people we were, you, watching were the you live still film,
3: yeah, we you were still filming at this point, right,
4: yeah, we were still filming, and we didn't catch some the stuff that I was seeing, but the people in the chat were noticing that I was acting just a lot more, like you know how I a lot of times people know me for how calm I remain during investigations on this specific night, I was kinda like I guess really excited and like like getting a lot more amped up about things than I normally would mm-hmm. uh, just
3: from the level of things that were happening to me personally. And you realized you were getting amped up over it. Cause that's an interesting thing you, in your bio, I was looking at, uh, never being flustered by a scenario. Uh, and I'm going to be honest with you. I've been a cop for 39 years. and I've never known <laughs> anybody that has not gotten flustered over something at some point. What do you att- What do you attest that to your, ability to not get flustered? You know, I'm I'm not sure. Like
4: uh, definitely hiking the Appalachian Trail, like I've almost done it twice and spending that much time out in the woods, uh, like at night and things like that have made me more comfortable in situations. Like I go in the woods at night by myself all the time. Uh, something that even some seasoned Bigfoot investigators will not do. And for some reason it just doesn't like get me flustered Now, there's been times where me and my friend were at uh, the same guy I was at Thornhaven with. We were at Post Town Elementary School in Ohio. And Mm -hmm. uh, he's kind of like the opposite of me, like where I'm really calm. He gets like really excited when things happen and will kind of like just freak out a little bit. Uh, Mm -hmm. One night we were upstairs and a door slammed. And he was in the other room and, and you could hear him like screaming like, oh, my God, the door slammed. And on the camera you can see me it like slams right beside me and I just kind of looked over at it and I'm like door slam <laughs>
3: like doesn't even phase me for some reason. Well you seem you seem like a mellow dude no doubt about that. How many investigations <laughs> have you done Alex?
4: gosh it's hard to say. I mean on my YouTube I have uh if you count all my live streams even like home sessions and things like that uh well over I think 500 videos um and that's just on the paranormal videos. channel. How often yeah, do you go like, out? I mean, I, I do this a lot. Uh, even, you know, on location investigations, is going to be definitely not as, as, as often. Maybe like a couple times a month if I can. Uh, but I do sessions at home. Uh, I do live streams from my house where we'll do uh, ITC sessions for a couple hours. Uh, I actually live in a 117-year-old mining house uh, in Alabama, and we have a lot of activity here as well. So, over time, it's kind of become a big part of my life, like living uh, and breathing it day day to day. It
3: sounds
4: like it. Yeah, always reading about it,
3: watching stuff about it, trying to learn more, and then also investigating well, I mean, 500 investigations, and you're only 28. That's that's a lot. I mean, do you do you have a full time job?
4: Uh, I work. Yeah, I work full time. Uh, currently, I do. I'm I'm actually just a delivery driver, uh, and I actually I used to be a manager at the restaurant I work at, but I kind of stepped down to put more time into my YouTube and to put more time into uh, this type of work. So I mm-hmm. shifted over to full time delivery driver.
3: And then doing this stuff as well. Wow. Okay. Because that's it. Sounds like you spend an awful lot of time. Because most of us have, you know, what I like to call grown-up jobs. So uh, that, <laughs> I, I find that that really, really interesting. How many people are on your team? Uh, right now, I mean, it's on Spectral Wolfpack is pretty much just
4: me. But I do do a lot of collaborations with other people, uh, like the guys. I recently we filmed a documentary in Madison, Ohio. Uh, with a couple of my friends, and then I'll do things like that. And then I live with my fiance, and she she goes with me sometimes, but she's pretty sensitive to it. I've had some uh, profound experiences with hers, too. I almost would consider her to have some medium abilities, uh, such as channeling things through herself without even, like, being able to control it or knowing it.
5: hmm
4: Okay, and um, that can get pretty
3: weird sometimes. Uh, what do you? What it? We've got about a minute to go before we take our next break. But yeah. in a minute, tell me what you think a ghost is. What is your theory? You know, it's it's that's
4: that's an interesting uh, question. Uh, it could take a lot longer than a minute. I'm going to do my best. Uh, to me, I I don't know 100% if it is human spirits. I mean, I'm sure there is some of that out there, but I can't say for sure. Uh, some of the stuff that happens is just so mysterious and strange. Sometimes I even wonder if it's our own brains causing some of these things to happen. Like, for ah, instance, if I throw, if I throw a rock and say, "Can you throw a rock back?" and then a rock gets thrown back, you know, could it have been possible that somehow I caused that to happen
3: with my interesting. own thoughts? Philippe. Phillips Experiment out of uh, Toronto. Listen, we are um, going to have to take our next break. But when we come back, let's talk about Bigfoot and the other creatures that lurk yeah. in the forests of Alabama. Uh, folks, this is Paranormal Stakeout. My guest tonight, Alex Bobolinski from Spectral Wolfpack's uh, Squad Paranormal. Uh, we'll be back right after these messages.
2: after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com.
1: You have heard of the X Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV plus 500 video games, live TV channels
3: And we are back for this next session with Alex Bobulinski here on Paranormal Stakeout. Uh, Alex, an investigator from Birmingham, Alabama, and he is the chief investigator for Spectra Wolfpack Squad Paranormal. Um, And one thing that I found interesting uh, about what you do, uh, Alex, is that you also spend time with other aspects of the paranormal, cryptozoology in particular. You mentioned in your bio all kinds of creepy things in the, uh, in the forests where you live. Explain. Yes. Uh, one thing that a lot of people talk
4: about in Alabama, they call it the Alabama white thang. And it's thang, T-H-A-N-G, you have to spell it. So not thing, the Alabama white thang. And it's like some people describe it as being a Bigfoot-type creature, uh, usually seven, eight feet tall with white you know furry white hair um some people describe it as more of like a looking like some kind of bushy lion uh there's even some to describe it as being like some sort of seven eight foot tall like almost like a kangaroo creature with like a human or cat like head there's several different descriptions depending on what area you're in
5: because
4: mm-hmm. um, it's sighted mostly in north alabama but i have started to find sightings closer to central and south alabama as well uh, so that's one that i do uh, investigations on and try to try to find people who have had sightings and document their sightings um and that's called the alabama white thing we have a lot of uh these sort of we have a couple of these witch legends out in the woods like there's the Hines road witch there's a uh, this thing they call Huggin' Molly, which is in Abbeville, Alabama. Kind of like a legend. They have like, a, even on their sign, riding into town, you can see it on, on the sign. Uh,
5: mm-hmm. those
4: aren't as much into the cryptid realm. Uh, you got two-toed Tom, which was a giant alligator with glowing red eyes, closer to the Florida state line. Um, and the legend says that he actually crossed into Florida and no longer is in Alabama. Um, uh, you know, we got the swamps down south where they say the Bigfoot uh, can be out there, skunk ape.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, well, What like ex-
3: what experience have you had? Have you actually experienced a Bigfoot sighting?
4: So for my personal sighting, I can't say 100% that it was a Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but whatever I did see was, was very tall. It, I, what happened was I went out. To Talladega National Forest, which is a, uh, I believe it's about 400,000 acres of wilderness. And I had hiked off trail. I went and followed this creek. And I actually night hiked out and I set up camp when I got to this clearing because I was like, well, I better set up now. I might not find a good spot. Uh, Throughout the night, I had these weird dreams. Things were just, I woke up kind of feeling kind of weird. Uh, I got out of my tent, and I looked up on the ridge, and I saw something standing up there, like, staring down at me, and from what I could see, it was covered in kind of shaggy, like a light brown, maybe reddish brown fur, and when it noticed I was looking at it, it instantly took a couple steps back and was was just gone, Mm -hmm. and uh, like I said, I can't say for sure it was a Bigfoot, but something was up there watching me that was had to be at least six or seven feet tall. And uh, other than that, I have had some really weird experiences like hearing strange vocalizations in the woods, similar to what they call the samurai chatter, which it almost sounds like some kind of native, or some people describe it as sounding like, like samurais talking to each other. Uh, It's just this really weird, it's like just really deep tones also some high-pitched tones in there as well and you'll hear it and it it, it definitely sends chills down your spine like even for me uh, i remember the first night i heard something like that which i was live streaming again and people in the chat were saying that it sounded like some kind of native language and okay. and we could hear it in the
3: distance uh but well, well, well let me ask you this let me ask you this yeah. um You've, you've, had, you've had experiences now with both uh, ghosts and, and Bigfoot, or what you at least believe to be Bigfoot. But I'm going to stretch this a little bit or, or ask this question. Evidence for Bigfoot, I dare say there's almost probably more, almost more tangible evidence of ghosts that people have collected than there have been as, of Bigfoot. Why do you think that is? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, because in the Bigfoot world, you have pretty much,
4: there's like a, a couple different uh, groups. Like you'll have the people who are big into the flesh and blood stuff, and they don't want to hear anything about the paranormal being involved with Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, they started coining this this term, the woo, for the Bigfoot people who are into the paranormal or even into the UFO side of Bigfoot sightings, where there are UFO sightings in in coordination with okay. bigfoot hotspots so you know it's hard to say but what i will say is that the native americans uh had a lot of legends about different creatures like similar to bigfoot like they had uh i believe it was the choctaw had the champe which is like this cave ogre that they would talk about uh as well as people talking about the little people which some people mm-hmm. uh would say are called the fae the fairy folk Uh, Sort of nature spirits, even elementals, things like that. Well, there's stories about the fae being able to turn into giant monsters. So one of my my theories, or things that I've I've talked about with some other people, is that maybe the Bigfoot are part of that realm, part of the nature spirit realm, uh, and that that's why we don't. That's why they only you know they appear for certain people. They might appear for a few
3: seconds and then be gone. You might find one footprint and nothing else around it. Uh, so your, your feeling is that it, it's not some sort of undocumented creature that roams the woods, that it's part of a dimensional creature? Is Personally, that- I do think there's more to it than just
4: a flesh and blood creature. I think that they, if they are flesh and blood, they still have some sort of, I guess, considered, to us, it would be considered like mystical properties or something that we don't understand uh but i do think that that could be possible um, but
3: but is there any evidence linking that i'm really a big evidence, evidence i'm a big evidence guy so I, yeah, that's yeah. why yeah as you should be i mean and definitely you know
4: it's important to always always try to try to find that or gather that and that's one reason i go out there trying to trying to catch this stuff uh see for me the the best evidence we have is mostly like and it's not really even evidence, I like guess, eyewitness accounts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, things that I've seen, like, I, personally, I saw something in the woods that I considered to be, I, I would just call them, like, will-o'-wisps, these, like, blue strobe light uh, little, they look like insects, but they were blue blue light mm-hmm. in, and in Alabama. Um, so, you know, we have co- coordination with, like, you'll have someone see a Bigfoot, and then they'll see these strange lights. Some people believe that the Bigfoot can turn into these things, uh, turn into the lights and fly away or go somewhere else. Uh, You have sightings of the UFOs. But like you said, as far as evidence goes, there's not much
3: because people aren't catching that stuff on camera. Well, and that's always going to cause people to be suspect hey, and it happens in the uh, the paranormal ghost world also uh we're Absolutely. not always getting evidence when people see something they don't have a camera going um but this connection between uh ghosts bigfoot and and aliens ufos yeah that seems to be a trend i find yeah. personally some concerns that is it folks maybe trying to reinvent themselves? Is it people trying to make themselves more relevant? What are your thoughts on that?
4: For some people, definitely, like I do see, I mean, you're always going to have people, hoaxers, uh, people trying to, you know, try to bring, say that they saw the next big thing or something strange. Uh, For me personally, though, I do know that I've seen some things that I couldn't explain. Um, Been there. So it's hard to say. Yeah, it's hard to say. Uh, and I can say too for myself that some of the craziest things I've seen were not when cameras were, were
3: rolling. Uh, okay, so it's, well, it's, let me ask you this. There was, a, there was a case, I believe it was in, tw- ninth, I'm sorry, 2013, where a hunter supposedly shot a Bigfoot. Uh, I want to say it was up in the Northwest somewhere. And they supposedly got some sort of hair and uh, and body uh part uh, not body parts, but flesh that they tested. are you familiar with that at all? I don't think I'm familiar with that story, but I have heard
4: stories of people uh either claiming to have hair or yeah, bodies uh like there was one in Georgia where someone had a body, and it turned out to supposedly
3: be a hoax and um, and see and that's what what I'm getting at what what are we gonna do to? To stop, stop people having the uh, hoaxing, c- creating yeah. these hoaxes because it hurts everybody. And my no, biggest really pro- my, my biggest problem with Bigfoot, and I've got some very dear friends that are in that field, and I and I, tr- I trust them as as people and as friends, but. Th- why haven't we seen one? Why hasn't drones or satellite something picked up these large creatures moving in in the woods? You think it's strictly because they may be dimensional, interdimensional creatures? Is that
4: I mean it's you know, it's possible. I mean, uh, Ron Moorhead has a book which is called uh I think it's called Quantum Bigfoot, which kinda goes into the whole quantum physics ideas about the uh different dimensions and things like that. Uh, some people even talk about them being able to like being some type of like frequency being some type of frequency uh-huh. that we can't see uh with our
3: own eyes or our cameras can't see well, and yeah, and that's something that we we deal with on the paranormal side too frequency and vibration very yeah. interesting but listen we're getting ready to take our, our last break so folks i'd like you to stay with us uh, i've got Ale- alex Bobolinsky from Spectral squad paranormal with us and stay with us for this last session coming up this is larry lawson on paranormal stakeout
0: Yeah.
5: Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course.
0: We all know about SIMULTV.com. SIMULTV.com
3: And we are back on Paranormal Stakeout, my guest tonight. Alex Boblinski, Spectral Wolfpack Squad Paranormal. You can check out his website at www.spectralwolfpack.com. I'd also like you to go ahead and visit my website at www.paranormalfbi.com. You can also find me at www.paranormalfbi.com down here in Florida. Um, I'd also really encourage everybody, there's some great programming on the X-Zone Radio and Television Network, go ahead and come check us out. Check out all the great programs on there, www.xzone.net. Um, in our last few minutes together, Alex, you you've brought some interesting concepts together that I'm seeing happen more and more in the field these days. The, con- the connection of the ghosts and Bigfoot and even aliens. But I think the answer is going to be not only in not only in the training that I talked about before, but the improvement in equipment. That's my opinion. But I'd like to ask you, where do you see the future of the field going? Where are we going to go from here?
4: Yeah, I definitely think that uh, a lot of awesome developers out there and people working on equipment and working on uh, new devices and things like that, uh, but... Also for me personally, taking it back, uh, like I've been doing a lot of reading into some old occult texts and things like that, like forgotten knowledge that people don't really talk about anymore these days. Uh, for me, it's a, it's a blend of both of that. Um, looking into some of those old, old ways that people used to do things, you know, well before there was any kind of camera or digital recorder, um, I like to to do that, mix those with new equipment. So, like, now we can film those old-school seances or we can film things like that. Uh, Or we can use scrying mirrors and and film our sessions with that, too, and hopefully we can catch something that we can show people. Um, I know personally, like, with some of the things that I've tried, uh, I've definitely caught some really, I mean, I would say some of it's pretty compelling.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. well, what sort of things have you done in the, in these experiments when you've gotten compelling evidence to help keep the the evidence sterile, if you will, to make sure that the evidence you've collected um, can't be attributed to something else, uh, a car or light outside or somebody whispering? What do you do in order to keep your, your evidence pure? Yeah, it's definitely a hard thing to do in this because, you
4: know, when you're setting up experiments or things like that you might not have any results or you might have uh, something happen and you might do the same experiment again and get completely different results you know when dealing with the paranormal
3: uh, but, but that's that's but, not what i'm talking about what i'm talking about what do you do to set up your investigation to yeah. minimize things that could uh, cause somebody to say well you didn't do this or that could have been that what do you do to minimize that yeah, I mean the thing that I do, and really, it's—I
4: guess it's all I can do. I mean, I—I I try to film everything, and then of course, when I'm reviewing things, uh, I mean, I'll—I'll I'll try to look for those inconsistencies, or if anything happened that I can try to explain, uh, you know, keeping a skeptical mind about it. But it's definitely a can be hard to do. Like, for instance, doing the ITC where uh, people can always say. Well, that was just a radio frequency coming through or a dj uh something like that um so it's definitely uh one of the harder things to do is presentation of, of
3: evidence for people yeah and the preservation of evidence to, to me is vital and i don't know that we yeah we as folks in this field have done that very well um when you do a uh an ITC session for example what sort of checks and balances do you put into place as that session is going on whether it's just an EVP session or using a ghost box do you put any type of checks and balances in place so I mean one thing
4: that I I like to do with any of my investigations is I don't like to speak in absolutes. like I won't say this is 100% what this is I like to leave it I like to, to show it to other people and see what their thoughts are on it too Uh, as far as ICC though, I personally, I'm a believer that the, whatever we are talking to, because I'm not going to say it's, you know, human spirits or something else. I don't know what it is. I just know that I, that for me and my personal experiences, I have heard things come through that seem to be relevant. Uh, and, and I can, and like I said, I'll put that out there and show people and I'll see what they think. Um, like, like for me, some of my favorite responses are the extremely direct ones or things where I'll ask if they can say something and it will, it will say it back to me. Uh, Things like that, that kind of, I mean, you could still say that it's just the radio Mm -hmm. uh, because I guess it is possible. I mean, it's random coming through. I mean, the odds are pretty astronomical. I would think for certain things to come through that I've asked that did come through,
3: but, it's, it's hard to say. Well, um, when, you, when, you, when you catch this evidence, it's compelling, and, and I understand what you're saying, but I, I firmly believe that we can set some things into place that will at least minimize uh, the opportunity for contamination of evidence. But what do you do with the evidence? Once you get it, you've collected it, you've got this great EVP, where do you put it, where do you archive it, and how do you access it later?
4: Yeah. So one thing I like to do, um, I keep it all on my hard drive on my computer. And also I'm, I'm not one to like hoard my evidence to myself. I put it out there uh upload it online and ask people what they think about it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't have, I have some stuff that I, that I keep private. Like if it's a residential case or some private case that I'm working on for a person, but you mm-hmm. know, I like to keep it on my computer, put it on YouTube and get it out there. Uh, one thing I do, With specifically with like uh, ghost box or EVPs, I will sometimes uh, use some equalization, try to bring out the mids and really bring out the voices. Uh, Sometimes even trying to slow them down to see if we can make out what certain things say. uh, Doing things like that, but also I, I like to upload raw footage just so people can see that it is just
3: not content, not been messed with at all or anything like that. Well, okay, and, and once it, does, do other people have access to your computer? For example, where you where you um, store your evidence?
4: Uh, no, I mean I'm the only one. It's it's up
3: here in my office, and I'm the only one who okay. uses this this computer. See, that's that's one's also a concept that comes from my law enforcement background. Evidence has mm-hmm. got to be kept where it cannot be contaminated by anyone else, and I don't think that's something that we do in the field enough. And that's keeping evidence in a spot where you can testify. If you had to go to court. You want to be able to testify. Nobody's had access to this evidence to alter it, and I don't think we do enough of that in this um, in this field either. when, no, when you I, in, I gotta say uh, I like the way I like the way you do things. I mean, it's,
4: we need more people like you in this field to so that people will take it more seriously. And, uh, and well, then how do you know, how do
3: we do that? How do we do that, Alex? Tell tell me how man, we do that. How do we convince folks? it's tough uh
4: and it's, it's hard it's hard for me to say how i really don't know how uh for me personally like i do this because i love doing this and it's a passion i've had my whole life uh i don't really you know if someone i don't really get uh, offended if someone laughs at me if i say i'm a paranormal investigator things like that it's, but i do want to show people uh compelling evidence and try to try to prove the, the existence of of the, these phenomena, but you
3: know, it's it's a, it's it's a hard question. I'd have to think on that even, even well, longer. <laughs> the, the the answer is training. The answer is standardization, my friend. We've all got to get together and make this a team effort, and not have a bunch of groups out there that are doing whatever they want to do. We've got to have we've got to have some sort of training and standardization in the field. That's my view of it, anyway. Um, do your investigations pose much of a threat to you? Do you think you're in danger at all? You know, there was times where, like recently,
4: I started feeling really drained and tired every day, uh, which I then found out, you know, I had vitamin D deficiency, uh, which I was like, okay, well, that's that's fine. I got the 50,000 IU dose, and now I feel great. Uh, but then I started noticing that several other people who investigate a lot we're having the same issue. So then I started wondering, uh, do does this stuff drain your vitamin D, or are we just not getting enough sun, or are we just out at night? Are we you know out at night too much, and not during the day. Uh, so
3: I mean, it's hard to say. There's uh, there's to, a, there's an example of a study, an experiment that could possibly be done if yeah. a group of folks that, but that's the sort of thing that we need to do. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's tangible. That has the possibility of being tangible evidence. That's a, yeah, that's a, exactly. That's a good trying point. to, uh, trying to,
4: if we can test that because that would be an interesting thing to test. I think to see if after an investigation or after like maybe test someone's vitamin D and then send them on a week week long of investigating and then test it again and see if. Uh, if there's
3: a drastic difference or something in, in my opinion, that's the type of thinking we need to do We need to improve our equipment But we need to start thinking outside the box and coming up with legitimate experiments that we can work with with the scientific community To maybe come up to find these answers as you so well put it. Is it even us that's creating this evidence? Um, one last question before we go. What's the future for Wolfpack wolf Wolfpack spec- oh, Spectral wolf pack? Uh, paranormal, what's the future? So next
4: month, uh, April 20th we've got uh, Madhouse, a paranormal documentary coming out. We'll be on Amazon and uh, Biddy Space and a couple other platforms. Uh, and that's kind of like uh, one of my bigger projects I've been working on with uh, three other guys, uh, Keith Campbell, Steve Broad, and J.P. Doyle. And we worked on that uh, for the last several months, okay. uh, putting together this documentary of our experience at uh, Madison Seminary in
3: Ohio. Well, so great. I'm really and, excited for
4: that. and we'll be looking
3: forward to it. Unfortunately, my friend, we are out of time. Folks, I, I want to thank all of you for joining me tonight on Paranormal Stakeout with my guest, Alex Bobelinski of Spectre Wolfpack Squad Paranormal. Thanks for being here and we'll see all of you on the other side.